Just the other day, I was up at Walmart, and I usually don't go to Walmart. Cindy usually doesn't let me in that place because I come home with too much ice cream. But uh, I was up there getting oil, trying to pretend that I knew something about cars. So I got some oil up there. And believe it or not, they already have the Christmas trees out. Couldn't believe it. You know, there's something called Christmas deranged syndrome. And it's something about doing Christmas way too early. And I have to say that I experienced it when I was growing up because uh, every once in a while we'd come home from school and surprise my mother. And as we walked in the door in September, Christmas music would be playing. And she would look startled and a little ashamed and quickly turn it off because she knew it was too early for Christmas music, even though she wanted to uh, play it. And so, you know, as you think about Christmas music in September or October, I'm even going to say before Thanksgiving, you know, there's, there's a big controversy about that. Is that an option that we should actually um, use? Should we actually be playing Christmas music before Thanksgiving is over? And we could have a big discussion about that. There might even be some arguments about that. And uh, there's some of you who would like to listen to Christmas music all year round. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, a it's a conflict. And we're talking about all the options we have, even as a Christ follower. And we're talking about how there are lots of options you can't touch because they're too hot to handle. And Christmas music probably isn't one of those. We laugh a little bit about that. But Paul talks about all these options, and this is what he says. I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. I think in the original language, that parenthesis should say Christmas music, but, but not everything is good for you, you say. I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. So what we're talking about and what we're moving into, and this is next uh, week we have a, a Difference Maker partner with us, so I hope you're here, uh, John and Amanda Herrick from Ireland. And they'll be sharing about what they're doing out there, and that's just going to be fantastic. But then the following week, we're going to start to actually get into some of the hard options that are out there. And I've used this title before, but uh, the week after that, we're going to talk about wine and weed. What is the Christ follower response to those kinds of things? And then the following week, we're going to talk about gambling. Are Christians allowed to gamble? What is about all that? And then we'll take a break and do some other things, and then January we'll get back into it. So we're going to have four segments of this too hot to touch, or you can't touch this, but I just can't handle doing them week after week after week. And I've encouraged you to uh, write me, email me, and say, hey, here's a topic I'd like to see about talking about. And I will try to see if it can fit in somewhere along the way, and we'll talk about it because Really, as Christ followers, even though our society may say some of these things just you just don't talk about, we need to talk about them. We need to see how our lives can be more in a line with God, pleasing him. And so these are some of those hot topics that we need to talk about. There, there can be a position on them. Now, now, when we're doing this, again, we're asking, what are my options in the area of whatever? 
So we're going to talk about, uh, Johnny talked a little about voting, you know, Democrat, Republican, Independent, who can you vote for, who shouldn't you, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about tattoos, cremation, uh, you know, things you do to your body, cosmetic uh, surgery, uh, you know, he's already talked about gambling. Can I buy a lottery ticket? We'll talk about abortion. We'll talk about um, can I, as a Christ follower, go to a gay wedding? What do I do? So we're going to try to hit all those over the next year, starting now and starting to break them down. So, again, if you have one of these things, you want to see what the Bible, see what Scripture has to say about it, you know, let me know, and we'll see if we can work it in. Now, when we, we cover a subject like this, we need to remember this. As Christians, we're to be connectors, not correctors. This doesn't mean you can't have a position. It doesn't mean you can't have a view on something. It doesn't mean you can't hold strongly to something. But our goal as Christ followers is to connect people to be used to point to God and his love. It's just not to correct. None of us enjoy people just correcting us. We want there to be some kind of relationship connection. And a lot of times when someone is stepping on our toes, even legitimately, if there's a relationship there, we're more apt to listen and try to work our way through. So, so this isn't about being correctors. That's not our job. Our job is to be connectors. Christ came to connect mankind with God. That's why he gave his life. That's why he rose again. So when we start to think about this, think about, man, this is, this is heavy lifting because I, I need to have a view on this. I need to have it affect the way I live. But my goal isn't to correct everybody. It's to connect people. Paul again writes, we want to live well in the sense of pleasing God, not to earn grace, not to earn a relationship, but we want to please him. But our foremost effort should be to help others live well. And that changes everything. If I have all these options, and they're inside the boundaries of what it means to follow Christ. How do I express those? How do I do those kinds of things? And really behind or really on the forefront, it shouldn't be that I have a right to do something and kind of get on with a program. You ought to, I ought to look and see how does my expression of this option affect other people. Because yes, I want to live well. I don't want to be legalistic. I don't want to be confined where I don't need to be confined. But I also want to leverage my life to touch other people's lives. And when that is the, on the, on the, just the heartbeat of my life, it changes the way I look at options. There are some things that I have the, the absolute right and grace to do that I don't do because of the ripple effects for somebody else. Now, you can take that way too far. But I want to be thinking, and vice versa, there are some things I should be doing, can be doing, and, and, and I really don't want to do them. But because of wanting other people to live well, I do that. And, uh, and, and again, that, that, is, that, is, that is hard. Uh, you know, coming back to, well, well, we'll keep moving along here. 
So, so you know, as, as we think about these things, we first have to ask ourselves, what does it mean in the sense of being a Christ follower? You see, if you and I are Christ followers, if we said yes to Christ, then we, in a sense, follow Christ. Uh, we look at his life in the Gospels, and we try to mirror it. Again, not out of uh, guilt and, and all this other thing, but because we want to be, in a sense, little Christ. And actually, what the word Christian actually means is little Christ. And the first time they used the word Christian, it's because people were acting like little Christ. So when we start to look at all these options, we start off with this idea, am I a Christ follower? And if you're not a Christ follower, if you have not said yes to him, you're not bound by these things. Some of these things may be just a polite way to live. Uh, some of these things may seem totally ridiculous to, well, I, I, why can't I do that or I need to do this? But if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christ follower, you don't have to follow Christ. And that's another thing where we as Christians have gotten ourselves into trouble is we try to get non-Christians to live like Christians. And uh, that, that just doesn't, that doesn't go well. Yes, it might make society a little bit nicer place to live for us who are Christ followers, but, but there's no connection there. You know, if we're really about someone living well in their eternity and their future and their next chapter of life being with God, and we really believe that, we believe that someday there's going to be new heavens and a new earth, we want people to live in that chapter. We don't want people to be separated from God, and we don't want people to be in hell, so we want them to be in heaven. So, so it's just not about having a nice little neighborhood and feeling good about it because we know our neighbors aren't going to be doing crazy things, and so we can feel good. That, that's very selfish. Actually, that's extremely selfish to want someone to live like a Christian but not really be a Christ follower, not have that relationship with God. You know, and I sometimes act, oh, I, I'm talking to myself, I go, how dare I? How dare I superimpose what it means to be a Christ follower on someone who has said they're not going to follow Christ? Especially when I don't do it really well all the time. So I want someone else to be Christ follower and have it show up in the way they live, even if they're not living, even if not saying yes to Christ. But then when it comes to my life, do, do the ducks line up properly? And uh, that, that's very hypocritical. So again, this whole idea of Christ follower. Johnny uh, mentioned this. I, I love uh, John 3.16 out of the message paraphrase by Eugene Peterson. It says this. This is how much God loved the world. These are in Jesus' words. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. Have heaven, not hell. But by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Some of us who have learned this in a different translation talk about eternal life. Well, eternal life is much more than living forever. It's whole and lasting life. It's saying yes to Jesus now and walking with Jesus in this chapter of life and kind of arm in arm and crossing over to the next chapter of life and not missing a beat. And then we're with him throughout eternity, whole and lasting, peace, an uncertain time. And so, you know, my first uh, conversation with someone who's thinking about these things, if you're thinking about what it means to say yes to Christ, is he's offering you a whole and lasting life. That's not perfect someday in the next chapter it will be but whole and lasting you get to experience that now and then he goes on jesus says 
God didn't go all the way, all the trouble of sending his son himself, merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right. And if you're a little Christ, you're trying to not correct, you're trying to connect, and you want to put the world right. So you're working in that direction, following that. So once you decide, you know, and say, yes, I'm going to ask Christ into my life, I want him to be a part of my life, I acknowledge I need forgiveness of sin, and I can't earn my way out of that hole, and you say yes to Christ, he rose again, so there's power in having a relationship with him. And then once you start, once I start, then we have, in a sense, all these options. Even one of the, we'll, I'm going to walk us through those five Ps in a few moments to put your thinking cap on. But, but we have all these options, even to follow him at any level. Uh, he doesn't force himself. He gives us free will. And we love free will for ourselves. We can't stand it in somebody else's life because if somebody else has free will, their free will sometimes affects our life. We don't like that, but we like it for ourselves. But you either have it or you don't. Either everyone has free will or you don't have free will. Can't, you can't have it both ways. And so we have these options. And the thinking process, as we talk about this matrix, as we talk about setting this table, is really this idea is that we love God and love others. And if you look at the Newer Testament, it can really be broken down into this is telling us how to love God and love others. It's no more complex than that. I read some passages. I read a verse. How does this make me love God more? Show that I love God more. Celebrate. And how do I love others from what is being said? And I look at it through that filter. And so, you know, you know it's very familiar. Another translation says, you are to love the Lord Yahweh, referring to God, your God, with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, with every thought that is within you, and with all your strength. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is this. You must love your neighbor in the same way you love yourself. You will never find a greater commandment than these. No more complex than that. You say, ah, I'm a, a Christian. I've said yes to Jesus. I've said I want you in my life. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin. Thank you for the way you demonstrate that power by being uh, resurrected. And now what do I do with my life? I love God and love others. And that's what my life is about. All right, so now it's test time. First C. Don't look down to your paper. First C. What? Commandments. Okay, yes, 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 yes. So as we're looking through this grid, as we're looking through this option or these options, we have to ask, is this area a commandment? And again, you can go back. This is, uh, you know, week number four. Uh, you can go back and see what that's all about. But when it comes to our options, uh, we have to ask, is this a commandment? Because if it's a commandment, there's no wiggle room. What's the next one? Convictions. Convictions has got a little bit more weight uh, than what's going to come. Uh, you know, you've got to do a little interpretation. There's some convictions. Um, and, uh, you know, the scriptures might not directly say to this, but you just take it away. And uh, there could be little different, uh, you know, thoughts on this. 
Uh, sometimes, you know, when I pray for some of the churches in the area, on some of their convictions, they're different than our convictions, but uh, that's okay. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, when you get into talking about end times, uh, somebody might uh, have this position, that position, that's okay, you know, and it's just a thing. You talk about sign gifts, and, and people go, what are you talking about? I'm not really trying to get into it, but these things you have convictions of. We would say you have convictions that once you've said yes to Christ, you're adopted into his family, and uh, nothing can separate you from his love. I think we just sang a song about that. That would be a conviction. Then there's other good, strong believers that love Jesus that don't feel so strongly about that. They feel like you're, you can actually reject God. And again, I'm not saying anything bad about them. That's a different position, but that's a conviction. What's the next one? Conscience, matters of conscience. And these are the things we feel strongly about. We probably hang out with other people that have different matters of conscience. This can be everything from, you know, what kind of entertainment that I watch, uh, how I spend my money. Somebody might say, I would never spend money on that. And another person would say, what's the big deal about it? Well, I just feel convicted not to do it. Or somebody, I mean, it's just matters of conscience. And you can't, I can't superimpose those on somebody else. That's legalism. That's wrong. And, and it's a beautiful thing when you have a group of people in a local church that have different matters of conscience, different opinions, different thoughts. They feel strongly that's the way they use, do their life, their family does their life, but they're okay with somebody else having a different matter of conscience. That's, that's maturity in the body. A lot of times Christians freak out when it comes to matters of conscience. So we've got to look at that. Next one. Conjecture. I had to have all C's for this, sorry. Pastors sometimes do that. And conjecture is just wisdom. Is this thing, is this right for me? And not right for me in a selfish way, but is this just good decision-making process? And sometimes it's different. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, some people would feel, you know, I don't think it's wise to ever lease a car. And there's other people that think it's good to lease a car. Uh, for us, when our twins were getting into nursing and they needed cars and I can't fix cars. I said, we need new cars for you, you know. So if you get out of the hospital and it's 11 o'clock at night, you're not calling me because I, I call AAA. I mean, I, you know, what am I going to do? So, so kind of tightened it up a little bit. So they, it was wise for them to lease a car and get a brand new car. And then they didn't have any problems with that. That's a, a conjecture. Uh, do I buy? Do I wait for this interest rate? Do I, you know, all these kinds of things. Uh, you know, and it's, it's wisdom. It's just not careless stuff, but it's wisdom. What's the next one? Choices. And this is ice cream choices. You know, always ice cream, right? Now, boy, you're going to say, wow, you're not a Christian. Uh, but I am. So, but anyway, um, you, you know, it's just choices, uh, different flavors, not right or wrong. But again, it's funny that a lot of times, Christians in the local church get all worked up over choices, conjecture, and matters of conscience, and commandments and convictions don't come into the package, into the view. So um, very important. So when you and I, as a Christ follower, are trying to figure these things out, some are easy to figure out, some take a little effort. I mean, not like mountain loads of effort, but they do take effort. And the first starting point for us is to go back to the scriptures. We go back to the Bible. And we see this as the Awanas theme verse. All scripture is inspired by God. God used 
men and women, our men, and to, to speak into these things and use who they are. I don't think it was like just a typewriter machine. I think they used who they are, the way they write, the way they think. And you can see that's why, especially in the New Testament, you can say, hey, this looks like this person wrote it because that's his style. God used who they were, inspired these people to use his word, inspired by God. It's not that every written thing is this way. That's the reason there's only so many books of the Bible. It's not like, you know, thousands. All scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for showing people what is wrong in their lives, for correcting faults, and for teaching how to live life. And again, we say, well, wait a minute, that's about correction, not connecting. Well, when you and I read the scripture, it's about correction in our lives. It's about throwing it down on somebody else. So correcting, teaching how to live right, using the scriptures, the person who serves God will be capable having all that is needed to do every good work. So as you live your life of faith, as you follow Christ, the scriptures will actually help you to live the life that you're capable of living, to live your best life, not a perfect life, but your best life and having your life intersect with things that he's planned way in advance. We can look at other passages that talk about that, the good works he's prepared in advance for us to do. And that's just not to get a job done, but it's getting us to be who we are. And when you and I get to be who we are and use it for God, it's fantastic. You're using who he's made you to be. So the scriptures help us to do that. So when we come to these options in life, we need to be people of the word so that we know how to interact. And again, a lot of them are pretty clear cut, but then some are very challenging and very messy. And of course, some of the ones we'll be talking about are the more messy ones. In a lot of cases, I'm going to basically say, this is a matter of conscience. Here are your options and you decide. I don't want the responsibility of telling you what a matter of conscience is. I'll, I'll be good with a commandment. I'll be good with a, uh, you know, a conviction. But when it comes to matter of conscience, that's you in your relationship. That's one reason we celebrate that you don't need an intermediate like a human being between you and God like a priest. You go to God directly. So you can learn from God directly. And I just help you think about things to think about. And then you go think about them. So, when we have questions, we go to the Bible, and then we go with the Bible. And you're going to say, well, what about this passage? That is crazy off the rails. Quote Mark Twain all the time. It's not the passages that I don't understand that bother me. It's the passages I do understand that bother me. So when it comes to those, I mean, there's some that, yeah, I could say this is kind of where they're coming from. And some passages, I'm going to say, I really don't know. But I do know the cores to following Christ, living for Christ, enjoying your relationship with Christ. That is clear cut. And some of the things you've got to struggle with, sometimes the struggling helps your relationship. It's a part of the journey. So. Forget about deciding what's right for each other. Here's what you need to be concerned about. That you don't get in the way of someone else making life more difficult than it already is. So again, when we start to 
pick these things apart, especially when they're those bottom three C's. It's about us living it out. It's about us not being on someone's case. We have enough to worry about and think about in our own life rather than superimposing it on somebody else's life. It doesn't mean we don't give an opinion. It doesn't mean we don't give any direction. But we know that ultimately it's the relationship with God. I want to compliment what God's doing in someone else's life. I don't want to be the person. It's, it's, I'm complimenting. I'm helping. But it's God in a person's life. Some of you have young children or children. I, you know, Cindy and I, we remind ourselves, you know, we're trying to compliment what God wants to do in our kid's life. We're not the Holy Spirit in our kid's life. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit in, his, in their lives. So, uh, you know, when it comes to these things, just having that kind of matrix. So let's, let's look at the matrix, and this isn't going to be rocket science, but some of us still wrestle with it. At times I wrestle with it because I just want to do what I want to do, not what God wants to, to do. So the matrix is this. First of all, there are obviously things that there are prohibition against, and it's, it's no. You, you don't do that. Thou shalt not kill. You don't have to debate about that. Thou shalt not steal. You don't have to debate about that. Love God. You don't have to debate about that. Love others. You don't have to debate about that. How you express that, you may have to think about. But there are things that are no. And uh, we can... Just take that off the table. We don't have to wrestle with it. And obviously there are things that uh, are yes. And sometimes we wrestle with them the most, the yeses, because, again, there's some interpretation. A yes for you might not be a yes for me and vice versa. And when it's in those matters of conscience and down, I have to accept the way you're working out your salvation. doesn't mean you're working towards it, but integrating it into your life. I have to say, you know, I'm not that person's Holy Spirit. They have the Holy Spirit, and they have to work out how that permission yes shows up in their life, and if it doesn't. So then we come up with this idea of having principles. And we understand that principles are principles. They're not uh, promises. They're not absolutes. They are principles. Usually when you do this, this happens. Usually when I look at a problem, I think it through this way. I actually have faith in God that he'll show up in my life and help me to do what I need to do when I need to do it. I'm not uh, thinking he's setting me up for failure. Like, watch this. I'm going to have this like little curveball happen at the last minute and watch him drive right off the cliff. <laughs> he's not doing that. Principles. So when we think about principles, you say I'm allowed to do everything. Another translation of the same verse but not everything is good for you, you say. I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. And that do everything and beneficial, everything is more applied to yourself. Not everything is good for you, and so, but you can do it. Uh, and not everything is beneficial is the idea it doesn't help someone else's life. So it's your life and their life, and so you start to develop principles over that. So teasing that out we have to ask ourselves about wisdom and wisdom that's personal there there are things that are not wise for me to do but are wise for you to do and vice versa so we we go is that wise for me and we're going to find that uh well i'll just i'll just go through it so we're going to find that our temperament plays into that 
Uh, some of us go off the rail really easy. We get, you know, shoot, emotions are right up there. That's how we're wired. Uh, just because you're wired, that doesn't mean that's the right thing. But you realize that something happens, and if you acted in those moments, it gets worse. So you count to ten, or you say, I'm not going to deal with this till tomorrow, and that is okay. That's wisdom. You know how you respond. You know how someone triggers you. You know your temperament. You know, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, and some of us all experience this, your self-worth. So the minute somebody says something, your temperament is to be defensive right off the bat. You go, wow, that's, that's not good. That's not good. That's my temperament. So I realize that. I'm not going to let someone, I'm not going to be a doormat to somebody, but I understand that when someone speaks into my life, my first reaction is I want to speak into their life just as meanly as I think they spoke in my life. And that's not what's going on temperament takes a lifetime and i i think our temperaments tweak a little bit uh you know uh, who we are five years ago who we are today in 10 years that that changes a little bit of how we interact with life then there's obviously our situation and it's not having situation ethics but there are things, timing, that it's better to do one action than another action, and you can have somebody else, the timing is different, and it's better to do what they're doing. Uh, you know, and this, I get into real danger zone. You know, when you think about investing, you know, there, there's if you're, if you're getting close to retirement, I wouldn't go stick all my retirement money in something that's super risky right now. If you've got a zillion years to retire, wisdom says, if you're not touching it, You'll be good. You know, what's going on in your life, your situation? Uh, young family, older family, take this job, don't take this job. I need to be more present to my kids, so maybe I shouldn't do this other job. I've, I've uh, heard of these pastors who have lots to write, have books to write, and uh, they, they've written them now, but they say, why is this your first book? And they say, well, my kids were in high school, and, and it just wasn't the right time. I needed to be a parent first. Now that my kids are off in college or whatever, now I'm writing the book. I can do that in the evenings, but before I needed to be present. It was their life situation. So being self-aware of what's going on in your life. Also going along with this is my past. And triggers, what... Uh, what has my past told me? Where, uh, where am I tempted the most? Where am I not tempted? Uh, uh, you know, how do, how do I respond to things? Um, and that helps you decide what to do. I love to uh, uh, backpack and hike and winter camp and those kinds of things. But since I hurt my back, that's not usually on my things to do list. You know, there's skiing. I, you know, I used to ski for six, seven hours a day, you know, a ski time. Now, you know, three or four is good. My situation's changed. My past changed it. So, so you've got all those kinds of positive things. Sometimes you have a little more confidence in the area, and that's wise. So you can, you can do that. You don't need as much time to prepare to do something because you, you've done that a million times before, so it's not as big a deal. And your past tells you that you don't need to stick it, stick, um, put as much energy into it. So really, coming back to this is what is the wisest thing for me to do? What do I do? And how does that interact with others? And I think that's that undercurrent is what's the wisest thing for me to do or what's the wisest thing for me to do that actually makes a difference in other people's lives. This doesn't strengthen my hands, but it strengthens the hands of other people around me. 
so I just don't do what's good for me. I just, uh, even though I can, I, there's times where I don't spend money on me, even though it's justified. I, I, I do it differently. I, I remember the first time I had some money saved up, and um, kids were young, and, uh, and the kids were all going to summer camp. How many have sent, like, two or three kids to summer camp at the same time? Yikes, you know. <laughs> you know, it's hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And uh, it just sounds so petty, but it was really hard for me to do it. I took the money I saved for myself and helped pay for the camp rather than the regular budget. Oh, gee. But, uh, you know, sometimes the wisest thing to do is to use your resources, whatever they may be, for somebody else. Welcome with open arms, fellow believers who don't see the things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems they are strong on opinions but weak in the faith department, remember they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. It always, not really cracks me up, even though it irritates me, when someone who has been like following Christ for like 25 years meets somebody who's brand new at it and expects them to act like they act. And I say, hey, when you first became a Christian, when you first said yes to Christ, how was how was year number five for you? Well, I was struggling with this, blah, blah, blah. So, so you are not taking into account this person needs to grow. It's like when you have a kid and they, you know, you can probably tie your shoe faster than your, I can't remember, three or four-year-old, five-year-old, whenever they can tie their shoe, I guess, right? But, uh, you know, you don't get all over them because they don't do it as quick as fast. You go, well, look at me. I can tie my shoes. Why can't you? You know, you, we do that spiritually to people all the time. Again, connector, not corrector. So then also we have this idea of personal and then also this idea of our witness effect, how our life touches somebody else's life. We've kind of been talking that along, but maybe that is the new piece of this. I have rights, I have grace, but now instead of living just for me, and it sounds so selfish to say it that way, but, but exercising right now, I'm going to say, I'm going to take a little bit of a back seat to that. Like what Philippians says, uh, look not only to your own interests, so taking account you need to look at our interests, but now I'm going to start thinking about leveraging all I have for the benefit of somebody else. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. And this gets into this whole dietary thing. If you remember or recall, in the city of Corinth, there was uh, meat that was sacrificed to idols, and there was meat that wasn't sacrificed to idols. And the meat sacrificed to idols was cheaper. And uh, people were saying, well, you know, I became a Christian. I don't believe in idols anymore. That's just a bunch of hooey. So who cares? I'm going to buy cheaper meat. That's the better deal. So that's what I'm going to do. But there were some people that just got indigestion over that. How can you buy something sacrificed, used in a, in, a, in a worship to an idol? And they said, well, because there's no idol, it's no big deal. I'm stewarding my money better. And, and they would have these conflicts over it. And so, so, again, how do I do this? So they go, eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience. Don't make it a big deal. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And he goes on to say, if someone who isn't a believer asks you home for dinner, accept the invitation if you want to, eat whatever is offered, knowing that it's probably been sacrificed to idols, without raising questions of conscience. But suppose somebody tells you this meat was offered to an idol, 
don't eat it out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you, it might be better not to eat it. It might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. For, for why should my freedom be limited or my options by what someone else thinks? If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? So we live in this tension. There's some behaviors, and it's not being disgenuine. There's some actions that I don't do in front of other people because I know it would rock their boat a little bit, but there's nothing wrong with it. And, and, and that's, that's, that's okay. I joke with you sometimes. I remember when the kids were young, I used to love to watch the news. And at five and six years old, I didn't think it was good for them to see what was on the newsstand. So I didn't watch the news. Big sacrifice. I was before DVRs and all that kind of stuff. So I'd miss it. I was glad to miss it. But that was okay. I had the right to watch the news. But I let that go because of somebody else. That kind of theme as a Christ follower should be growing and becoming more developed in our lives. Where we have a right to do something, we have an option to do it, but it's going to upset somebody else's apple cart. We choose not to do it. Uh, we have some friends, uh, dear friends, and they're much more conservative than we are. And when our kids were younger, when their kids were younger, we would go through this thing before we got there. Now, let's be easy about these things. Don't talk about all this stuff because that will set them off. And, and you go, well, well they, they should be grown up. About, well, we just wanted to be nice and polite. Why wouldn't you be polite and kind to someone? We love these people. Uh, they just have, you know, tighter standards or I would say wound up a little tighter than we are. And so I was more than willing to give that up to be a connector, not a collector. I didn't say, you know, you don't have to have a problem with this and blah, 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 blah. We just, we would do that. So we were thinking of somebody else. And that is a sign of maturity. I don't get it right all the time. And I, I, I wave the flag. I can do this. And you're kind of not evolved to think you can't do this because you know, we have a freedom in Christ, but again, if you're thinking of the other person, then, then it affects the way you live. Because you are loving God by loving somebody else. So, um, you know, we're talking about this, and, you know, in, in your notes, you know, the question is, is it okay for a Christ follower to watch a PG-13 movie or a rated R movie or whatever? How do you determine that? You know, what do you do with it? There's, there's all kinds of things on TV and uh, what someone can watch and what someone else can't watch. How do, you, how do you figure that out? And sometimes you hear someone saying, yeah, I watched this and I love this series. And you're like, how can they watch that? And, and, but yet they love Jesus. How do you figure that out? It's a matter of conscience. And so you've got to kind of come to terms with that. And, uh, yeah, now I did a little reading on the, on the whole rating of movies. It's kind of crazy. If, if you start to look into it, some movies just have one little thing because I think it's more marketable if it's PG-13 or rated R. And then you get a PG-13, even a PG movie, and it's got stuff in there that you go, wow, I don't want my kid to watch that. That's not really healthy. But in the PG-13 or rated R movie, it doesn't even exist. They play games with trying to market these movies. But, but what do you do with that? I'm not going to give you an easy answer. You actually have to look and think about the movie. You have to be wise. You have to 
maybe you get a movie guide and see what's in that movie and, and how that matches up with, with what you want to do. Do you bring somebody over? I remember the first time, it happened a couple times, uh, this is years ago, we'd watch a movie and, and some of the bad scenes didn't really register with me. And then my parents would be over. I'd go, hey, let's watch this movie. It's the best movie in the world. And they're like, what is this you're showing us? Because we kind of forgot about those thoughts. It wasn't like any, it just, just forgot about them. And, you know, they didn't like bother us that much. Now they're really bothering us. And yeah, you're right. That was a terrible movie. But you've got you've got to think that through. Um, I'm not advocating this per, per, per se, but uh, um, you know, I, I love videoing just uh, for 10 bucks a month and I can watch a movie and it filters out all the stuff. Sometimes, you know, an hour long or two hour long movies, only five minutes because they have to cut everything out. Wow, that was quick. It saved time too, you know. But, uh, you know, sometimes they're talking and you go, I know what they really said. But, uh, you know, you can take stuff out of it, you know. And you got to ask you, how much do you value your entertainment? How important is it to be entertained? And where do I say, you know, I'm just not going to do that. So, again, you got to go to matters of conscience. you got to think that through. So you ask if it's prohibited. Ask if you have permission to do it. And then you start functioning out of your principles. Is that good for me to view? Will I have to go, man, I wish I could unsee this? And it's a funny, you know, all of us fall out. Some of us probably are wound a little tighter and should be a little bit more easy, and some of us are way too loose and we're watching things we shouldn't be watching. And again, it's what's great is I get to just throw that out and say, you figure that out for you. I'm not figuring that out for you. Don't go, hey, Dave, is this movie okay? I'm not doing that. Did that with the kids when they got their first iPod things, and we would not let them load any music on them without them showing them to us, the songs. Because some of those songs had meanings that we didn't want them getting in their head. It was very burdensome. I hated doing it. And then when they got older, we started letting them choose their own songs because we thought we had showed them the principle. But we just didn't want them, you know, we didn't want them to live that way. Sometimes we'd present a song and I'd go, you know, you would never want a man in your life who acts this way. Why would you listen to a song that celebrates that and brings that forth? Why, why would you do that? Take it out. Don't get that in your head. And, uh, and But anyway, that's a whole other story. So, uh, so then you get to your options. You start to figure that out, and then obviously you want to use wisdom. And uh, what is wise for you, and what is wise and considerate for others. We're not big drinkers, but if we had someone come into our house and they were recovering alcoholics, we wouldn't even bring it up. Just pass everything up. When I was a youth pastor, there was no alcohol in the refrigerator, so I just didn't want to have to explain that to teenagers that had could open our refrigerator. That was just the way we functioned. Maybe it's good to have it in there and explain to them, no, not until you're 21, and, you know, it can do this. And, we're, again, we're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. So, um, but, uh, you know, what's wise? What is it holding on to my life? If we're little Christ, Christ did not hold on to his life. He should have stayed in heaven. He could have just stayed on his throne and been, hey, I'm the son of God. Look at my world. This is great. Why would you ever want to give up your rights and be born in a manger, in a stable, or maybe in a palace? But that still isn't that great. Even being born in a palace, the Son of God, heaven, throne, still a huge step down. 
So again, what is wise for you, knowing who you are, and what is wise for those around you. And, uh, you know, we have to deal with principles like this. I will not look with approval on anything that is biased. That decides what is biased. Just ask myself, and I don't like this, when is it worth to be entertained by something that is biased? These verses that talk about delighting in righteousness. Am I delighting in, in that? Right? You know, and I don't have this down. I've told you before. If a movie doesn't have an explosion in it, I'm not really happy with it. So, you know, I... <laughs> Guess that's not good, but uh, it's an adventure. And then how my wisdom affects my witness, pointing to Christ. Our world needs good witnesses. Not self-righteous, but connected, not condemning or correcting. So, bottom line is this. Go to the Bible, learn how to figure out your Bible. Don't go, oh, it's too complicated. You're smart. You can figure out how your phone works, most of you. So you can figure out the Bible. You spend some time on it, and then go with the Bible. Go with the Bible. Let's please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I just uh, thank you for this time together. I thank you for just being able to celebrate who you are. I love the songs that we sang, and uh, they just uh, kind of set us up for the subject matter for this morning. And I, I would just ask, wherever a person's at today, they would take their next step. Uh, whether they're just wrestling with who you are or what it means to follow you, pray they take their next step. Uh, if uh, they've already decided to follow you and it's been a few years, that they would grow in that, they would lean in it. Maybe it means that they need to really work at spending time with you 15 minutes a day, four days a week, whatever that next step is, how it reflects in the way it creates your heart. And then for some of us who have known you for a ton of years, maybe it's just staying fresh. Maybe it's investing ourselves in other people's lives. Maybe it's still sacrificing the options we have for the benefit of somebody else. Whatever that may be, I ask that we would be a people of conviction in the sense that your spirit convicts us with the next step. Thank you for these people that made it today. I thank you for those who turn online and watching. Lord, may we have a good rest of the Sunday. We thank you for the beautiful weather. And we thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen.